0: so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Sorry there'll be no break dancing on my behalf today. <laughs> I don't do that. I know you're disappointed. We have people in this, in this place that dance and it ain't me. Sometimes. Yet. See, I'm going to be free. See, yet she says. Welcome guys. We've been... Uh, We've been in a whole sort of mini-series on Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a great psalm. And we took a diversion last Sunday. Or well, we, did we really? What did we celebrate last Sunday? We celebrated the fact that he's alive. And we can rest in the fact that he's alive. So we're just going to return to that. Psalm 23. We're going to just talk about verses 1 to 3 again. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything i need he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me by the still waters he restores my soul last week we had three words he is alive this week we get to have four he restores my soul so i just want to pray as we we enter into those words he restores my soul so papa i just ask today that anything i say that is not of you would just drop to the ground and disappear but lord Whatever it is, and for whoever it is, whether it's online or Lord, it's here today. That the words that need to go would land in the place you want them to land this morning, Lord. That uh, there's no condemnation, there's only freedom in you, Jesus. So we just give this word to you this morning, Lord. It's your word. It's your word, and it's when we know your word, Lord, when we know your truth, your whole truth, it sets us free. So I praise your name, Jesus, mighty name. Amen. Do you know talking about God being the the good shepherd. And he says this, he said, I want to give you rest. I don't want you to struggle and strive. And when, when the Lord called us here and diverted our plans last May, that was something he spoke specifically. He said, we've been through a lot. Not just this church, but this nation, the world has been through a lot. And really, we can just rest in what Jesus did. And we celebrated that last week. But he said, I want to give you rest. He makes us lie down. He makes me lie down. So when I don't want it, he makes me. And he has ways of doing that. I want, re- I want to give you refreshment. He leads me by the still waters, the quiet waters of bliss, it says in the, in the passion. And for many, many times on my property, which, you know, there's a lot of stuff tied in in there. I used to go and sit at the dam. And just I'd sit at the dam and, and just watch the still water. And just spend some time with dad. Don't have to rush around. Didn't have to do stuff. I love that. But then he says in verse... Verse 3, he restores my soul. My soul. And so God wants to do that. I think God often, often works in the opposite way than we think. He actually wants to restore our soul. He wants to give us peace, patience, joy. So we pray like Pam, a number of years ago, quite a number of years ago, she was praying for patience. She don't mind me sharing that one. She prayed for patience. And guess what God did? He sent us all these circumstances to test her patience. God often works that way. I was one of the primary causes, by the way, but that's another story. But God wants us to operate out of it. Restoration. You hear me say a few weeks ago, that word rest, oh, ration. If we don't get full rest, if we don't get the full rest in what God is doing, we get a ration of rest, we actually don't get peace. So we can go on a holiday, take time out, and have a little vacation, but we're not really resting. We come back to all the busyness. We, We come back to our to-do list and piled high. We need to really take the full restoration. You see, David when he wrote this psalm, he knew all about restoration and 2 Samuel eleven, we haven't got we're gonna go there today, but there's a whole story about how David he, he learned he learned how his soul needed to be restored. And it went from idle hands, being on a roof, having a wander when he should have been at war to looking. And then someone told him that was someone else's wife and he kept looking and then it just all fell apart. But Jesus wants to restore our souls. And what does that actually mean? What is our soul? Many of you might know what a soul is, but I just wanted to to refresh some of that stuff. You know, God likens, the kingdom of God has an outer court and an inner court and then the holy of holies. And I love that because we have a body, a soul and a spirit. And it's our spirit that connects with God's Holy Spirit. It's our human spirit that, that gets out. We need to often have healing in our human spirit. And often our body is sick and that needs healing. But today I just want to touch on the soul. What is it about the soul? Because there's a difference between our spirit and our soul. It says this in Hebrews 4 verse 12. From verse 12 on. It says, For the word of God is living and active and full of power making it operative, energizing, and effective. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, the spirit being the completeness of a person, and of the joints and the marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and the intentions of our heart. God's actually more interested in what's going on in our heart. He wants to deal with the intentions of our heart. And for many years, my intentions and my heart were not good. They were not good. And then I got saved and my spirit came alive, but my soul, that kind of lacked. So what is this thing we talk about, a soul? Our soul is our mind, our will and our emotions. We all have minds. Some of us have really clever intellectual minds. It's our minds. It's our feelings. It's how we think, how we feel, what we do with those things. That we actually start to think about well, what are those? If our soul is restless, and for many years my soul was really restless, I had a wandering soul because of my lack of identity. And we'll talk more about identity because I believe that that is a real foundation. When we know whose we are, when we know whose we are, then we know nothing. Nothing. No angels or demons. We said in Romans eight twenty-eight this morning, no angels or demons. Nothing can compare. But we have these things. Our church... You know, our our church has people, we all carry our souls around. We come to church and we can come in with a smiling, how are you this morning? Oh, praise the Lord, it's great. It's cool, it's good. And in our souls, we're aching, we're hurting. My soul, the, the revelation of this for me came a number of years ago. It's actually almost 20 years ago. And Pam and I have been in this nation for only a couple of years and we met this other couple and we thought we were in ministry with them and we were going along they were born in the same part of the world from us. So, I mean, you immediately assume they're all great coming from Liverpool. Right. And we started interacting with these people. And then the, the guy who were interacting, with, he said, hey, let's start a church. We're working with all these broken people. Let's plant a church. And Keith goes, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's plant a church. And there was this little voice. This little voice said, hey, I think we need to pray and ask God, is that God's plan or a good plan? That was my voice, by the, uh, my wife, by the way, not the Holy Spirit. I thought I think it was the Holy Spirit speaking through Pam. And I didn't listen. And so we went ahead and we plowed ahead and we started this church in our home. And we, went, we got up to about 60 odd people turned up at our home every week. And all this stuff. And then all of a sudden our son, he, he, got, he got a bit unwell. Actually, he got really unwell. And that was all to do with stuff from the UK. And he, he became very unwell. So we're looking after our son and we're setting up church every Sunday. And I'm getting grumpy because I'm the one putting all the chairs out and you know, doing all that stuff. And I'm, I'm carrying all this stuff and I'm getting a little bit resentful. And then it got really bad and we moved to a building, still doing church in this building. And I'm still setting the chairs up every Sunday and I'm doing all this stuff. And then I'm going home and we're, we're trying to take care of our son. And, and I didn't have the wisdom back then and, and the discernment because my soul, my soul was wounded. I was trying to get the approval of this guy who I saw as a father figure in my life. And I'm going, I just need to approve this. He said we should start a church and we better start a church and we better make it a good church. And guess what? I was getting angrier and angrier and then all of a sudden, boom, it all exploded. Pam and I were having struggles. Our, our, our marriage was struggling because of it. I was struggling with the kids. And then one day, Dan ended up in hospital. And I went to visit Dan and this, the head, the head minister the lead pastor, if you like, was there in the hospital ward and he's telling my son, you know, if you have more faith, you'll be out of here. My son was 13. If you have more faith, you'll be out of here. So I kind of put him out of the hospital, the guide, not my son, and then he put me out of church. And so Pam and I went underground and we struggled. But it was like I had all this unresolved stuff. And do you know what? God works in the opposite. I just wanted to serve the king and God wanted actually Me to serve out of love. He wanted Pam and I to serve out of love. Because if it doesn't happen in your own home, it ain't happening. You know, we can come here and we can have a great time in church. But if it's not happening in your house, behind closed doors, it ain't happening. That was something I learned in this 20-year journey. But I carried these things that damaged my soul. And it wasn't just that guy. I'm going back to way beyond. There's many things that can damage our soul. But this morning, I just want to touch on three. I want to touch on the three responses that God gives to those things. And then I just want to take a time for us to pray. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes we carry these things and God wants us to let them go. Because he's leading us by the quiet waters. He's refreshing our soul. So what damages our soul, which is this mind, this will and emotions? What does God want to do? So the first thing I want to talk about, and it's in your notes, is it talks about unaddressed grudges. You see, I had many grudges and gripes and windy and, wh- and I, I didn't address them. You've heard me talk about my dad, and I didn't have a great relationship with him, so I was, you know, I was angry about him, and I'd be angry. I've been angry a long time, and I carried a lot of grudges. You crossed Keith, and it wasn't about getting sorted; it was about getting even. I would get even with you. When I got saved, people thought it was an angle in the ch- in the, in the police service. What are you playing here, Toddy? What's the go? Because they were so used to me working the angles to get even. So I carried all these unaddressed grudges. And it was like this. It was like I had this rucksack on my back. And I was carrying these things around. And you see, I had this bag on my back. And I'm going around. And and you can't see what's behind your back. I was blind to this stuff. I started thinking about revenge and all these things. But God says it's not good to do. You know, It's not good to do. We live in an imperfect, broken world. It's fallen. Hurt people hurt people. And for Pam and I, we had to process our hurts. We had to sort ourselves out. But when I was so hurting, I hurt others. And I damaged people. And the church that we were part of, when we were put to the side, those people were told not to talk to us. There was a whole bunch of stuff. That's not for today. If you want to know more about this body, soul and stuff, we're going to, we're going to do a a course in end of June we're going to look at this stuff in details but i was carrying around these grudges and i have a lovely assistant who loves me very much these days and and she's going to carry see i was carrying these these grudges around so they loaded up in my back so she's going to pop that in there see and that's heavy yeah it's okay that's heavy so but you can't see those grudges you don't know they're going on people can see you know when lazarus was in the grave it says he stinketh much Keith's attitude stinketh much. He was stinky. It was horrible. But it's like there I'm going, I was living with bitter root judgments. Again, we'll talk more about those in future. But Martin Luther King once said this, bitterness is blindness. Bitterness is blindness. And I was blind to the fact. I just wanted to get even. And I'm saying, you know, do you think I should do this? How can I get onto this guy? How can I sort him out? And then God said this to me. In Job 5.2, good news version, says this to worry yourself to death with resentment would be foolish and a senseless thing to do. And God started speaking to my heart, and he said, you know, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish and senseless thing to do. So, Keith, stop getting senseless and getting resentful. Start to deal with what's going on. And so my journey into sonship started back then. Job 18.4 says this, You are only hurting yourself with anger. Oh, yeah. I mean, I said some horrible stuff to my family and those close to me. But you only hurt yourself ultimately with anger. So I started dealing with these things, this resentment. The second thing was unconfessed sin. So just to jump back into that story for a little while, I was resentful. We left church. We we knew we had to be in fellowship. And so we sat at the back of a church run by other friends of ours for three years. We made tea and coffee and it was great. The kingdom missed out. We didn't pray for anyone. We didn't do anything. And we were missing out. And I was missing out. But God was working on our family and getting us back on track with what he wanted. And during that time, we set up the Bethany Healing Foundation and we started coming out the other side because God said, I called you to Isaiah 61 not to plant a church at that time. That was my dumb decision. But in that process when I was pitched out, I got really angry with this guy. He came around to visit me one night. And he said, sign here, we're taking you off this, we're taking you off that. And he left. And I was so angry, I just lost it. I was really angry. And I said a few things to him I regretted. And for three years, I carried all this unconfessed stuff around with me. Not just about that. God started to show me over those three years, well, you know, there's this response and there's that response. And there's a response you gave to your wife. And, you know, the aggressive tone you took with her and the kids. Those need to go to the cross. You know, last week we talked about he stretched out his arms. He said, it's finished. So unconfessed guilt was this other thing. And so I was carrying this around with me for many years. This unconfessed guilt. And the thing is getting heavier. And I'm getting weighed down. It's pretty heavier to me. You know, it's like I've got this thing. Carrying it around, unconfessed guilt. Three years of this, but related to 43 years. 43 years. So it says this, look at this, in Psalm 38, verses 4 and 6, it says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I'm bowed down and brought low. All day long I go about mourning. I'm going to tell you, for those three years, I might have, I might have had moments of brightness. But for my family, I sucked to be around. I was terrible. I was miserable. I was miserable. I was a moody Martin, as one of my kids once said. Stop being a moody Martin. There's no, that's not an offence to a Martin in the building. But you know, it was like that. But there's two problems with guilt. Every one of us has a good reason to be guilty. I, I, you know, angry. Every one of us has this thing about guilt. We can be guilty about the sins that we've committed, the hidden sins. Everybody has that. We've hurt people. But Pam and I, when we got married 43 years ago, we thought we were two little half people. We came together and made a whole. And when we went into YWAM, everything fell apart then. That was 23 years ago, 24 years ago. And we said, we're going back to the UK. And the guy said, why? So, well, we didn't have problems back there. <laughs> no, 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 no problems back there. We're going back to our friends. We were in denial. That's not a river in Egypt. It's denial. It's just denial. We, we just, we get so- selfish about these things. The other thing we try and do, and I tried to do it for many years, is run away from my own conscience. Bury my sin. Forget about it. And he says this in Proverbs 20, 27. The Lord gave me a mind and a conscience. We can't hide from ourselves. I can hide from you. I could tell you all the happy, shiny stuff, you know, and be... But why? Let's be real. You know, we can hide stuff. We can fool most of the people some of the time. Some of the people I can even fool all the time. But we can't fool ourselves. When I go home and close the door, it's me and God. And he said, Keith, these things have to go. He started speaking to me. You've got to go. You've got to get rid of these things. We can hide it from everybody. I was hiding it for three years, running around, and and God took me to places. I was told to pray and fast by this guy. He said, I'll admit you, back, go pray and fast. So I went to the coast, and God spoke to me. And he told me this stuff. And I I came back and said, this is what I'm dealing with. He said, no, that's not enough. You see, it wasn't healthy. I didn't pray enough. I didn't pray hard. I've discovered things, and God... The good news is God restored our relationship three years later. And the reason he restored it was God spoke to me while I was overseas in South Africa. And he said, you need to go and ask this guy to forgive you. And I said, do what now? He spiritually abused me. He abused my family. He hurt my son. And we had a discussion, God and I. Guess who wins on those discussions? God. And after 30 odd minutes, he said, you need to confess your sin response when you got angry and retaliated. So I came back and I said, yeah, I'll give him a call. And a week went by and I had to go off to Broome and go over to in the middle of the bush to do a suicide prevention conference. I'm sitting in a tent with this Aboriginal guy and we're talking one night. And God just speaks to me and says, you didn't do it. And I knew exactly what I had done. So when I came back on the Monday morning, I I thought I'll ring him Monday morning because he's always praying with people. He won't answer the phone. I'll get it over with. Leave him a message. Of course, he picked the phone up. And I said, look, I need to say this before you say anything. God had told me he may never ask me to, to forgive him. He never has. It's okay. I'm free. But I said, look, I need to say, when I shouted and got angry with you and reared up and said things that were pretty un, you know, unkind, and it might have been true, but they were unkind. And I want to <laughs> repent of that. I want to repent of that. And I, I, he, he went silent on the phone. I said, are you there? He said, well, actually, I just fell off the seat. He said, I couldn't believe you've done this three years in. But what God released on that day for me was total freedom. Total freedom when I confessed all those things out to him. I confessed a lot to other people. Pam and I were on a journey of restoration. And God was moving in it. But you see, we've got all these ways of getting rid of our guilt. We can hide from it by denial. I mentioned that. You know, we can bury the past. But as we found out last Sunday, things can get buried, but they get resurrected. And if you bury your sin, it will get resurrected. We can actually minimize it. Everybody's doing that thing. Doesn't mean it's right. We can rationalise it. You know? I tried to convince myself for three years with my head and my heart's going, Keith. Uh-uh. Uh-uh, it's gotta go. I was stubborn. I'm a bloke. Three years. Wow. Or we can compromise. We can drop the standard. We can lower the standard. And, you know, lowering the standard is something we know. Good friends of ours have done that. They've, they've changed their theology. They're ministers in, you know, ministers of religion. They've changed their theology based on their family circumstances. You can't do that. You can't compromise what the Word of God says. Never compromise what the Word of God says. Or we can blame stuff. I will blame people. Blame Pam. You know, you didn't do that. It's your fault. It's your fault I didn't get these bricks ready this morning. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. But you know the word blame? You can actually break that down as well. Pamela's broken words so. Be lame. Don't be lame. Yeah. Now deal with it. Confess it. And the last, the last thing I just want to talk about this morning around this stuff is unprocessed grief. And my assistant here will kindly of pick up the brick of un, unprocessed grief. Grief is a real deal. Yeah. Oh, it's getting heavy. You know, grief. Ooh, yeah. need some help. I'm um, okay. <laughs> Grief, grief is a real thing. They're, those first two things, the first two things, you know, sort of guilt and holding grudges, they're bad things. But guilt is a real thing. God wants us to process our, our grief. so not our guilt. He wants us to process our grief. Grief is real. We all have times in our life where grief is real. And I've worked with people who are in deep grief, and I've been in those places. And I was in grief over all sorts of things. It's not an issue to have grief. Unprocessed grief is really problematic. We shove grief down. We're, we come from England. We're good at stuffing stuff. Happy smiling face, stiff upper lip, not a problem. But it says this in Psalm 31.9. David was speaking. Lord, have mercy because I'm in misery. My eyes are weak from so much crying and my whole being is tired from grief. David was a man after God's own heart, but he had a reason to, be, to grieve over things that he'd done. And I grieved over this. I grieved over the lost relationship with this guy more than anything. Broken relationships, it's all about relationship. Our relationship with Jesus and our relationship as a family, as the kingdom of God. You know, we can have many leaders and pastors and all this stuff, but we don't get many friends in the kingdom. We need to be friends first. Friends with Jesus, friends in the kingdom. We can build friendship, real relationship. The world out there is desperate for it. The world out there wants wants the real deal. You know, it says in the, we are the real deal. So, this problem is it grudges, the unprocessed grief was bad. So if grudges don't get you, grief will. And if grief doesn't get you, guilt will. All of these things can eat away and gnaw at our soul, our mind, our will and our emotions. My thinking during those three years was not great. I was running an organisation as a CEO and some days I'd really have to focus. Because this stuff plays on your mind. And as I started to deal with that grief and let that go, then things started to happen. So how does Jesus restore it? This is where I get to get rid of this stuff. Jesus restores all that. He gets rid of those things. First thing he does is he changes our hurts into his holiness. He changes, I'll say that again. He changes our hurts into his holiness. God brings good out of bad. Bad things happen to good people. We're grieving at the minute. We've got a friend who's, you know, she's got brain tumours. And but God, but God, God's a healer. You know, she's, she's in trouble. We're grieving over this thing that's happened, but we're processing that with God. But you see, God turns our hurts into his holiness. It says this in Romans 8:28. We know that in all things, in all things. If you've got your Bible open, the word in, you want to look at that, in, in all things. God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. It says in all things. It doesn't mean that all things. God doesn't work all things. He works in all things. He works in us and in and through us. It's a promise for those, not for everyone. It's a promise for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. It's all of us. We have a call. We know who we are. God calls us into stuff. He called us 24 years ago to come to Australia. And who knew? Here we are. God calls us into these places according to His purpose. We have a hope when God does this stuff. You see, hope is based on certainty. Hope is based on certainty. But a lot of the world, they don't have hope. We were talking to someone the other day about going to a funeral where Jesus wasn't even mentioned. And it's hard. There's no hope. It was optimism. I hope they go to the rainbow, whatever it is, bridge, and all all this stuff. It's just wishful thinking. We have a hope. But for us to grasp Romans 8, 28, we need to look at verse 29. It says this. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of God, that that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What was God's purpose in that when he was turning my hurts into my holiness? His purpose for that was to deal with my character. He said, Keith, I want to deal with your character. You can't be responsible for that guy. You can be responsible for your character and start to deal with it and become a son, not a slave. So I was caught up in approval. But God wanted to deal with my character. He wanted to teach me who I am. And I'm still on that journey, 20-odd years later. God wants to turn this stuff. You know, I said before, Pam prayed for patience and God gave us circumstances. But what was Jesus like? In Romans 28, it says "You know, he wants us to, to be like Christ. In all things. So verse 29 is that picture of what he wants to do. What is the picture of Jesus? What is it he actually wants us to do? Glad you asked. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 gives us some qualities that Jesus was exemplary in. These are the things. Love, joy, peace, forbearance. That's a hard one, hey? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Back then, 20 odd years ago, I would he even tell you. I had very little self-control. My filter was, you upset me, it's on, it's on, it's on. You better get ready because it was on. The fruit of the spirit, my character was more important than my charisma. God was more interested in my character than running a church. Hey. And at that day, I realized I could sit in a seat for the rest of my life and Jesus Christ would love me for who I was. And he loves you. He could sit in these seats. Well, we've talked about it before. We do have to lock the building. But God knew in Romans 8:29, God knew the purpose from the very beginning. He planned in advance that all God's family would become like Jesus. We are all on the journey towards becoming like Jesus. And it goes right back to Genesis. Genesis 50:20 explains this stuff. You know, it allows when people hurt you, what do we do? 5020 says this. You intended to harm me, that was Joseph. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph had a right to be upset, didn't he? They chucked him down a well. He was there in the bottom of the well, and God got him out, and God saved his brothers and his sisters and his family. So what was intended by the enemy, God turned it to good. So, whatever's going on, God intends to turn it to good. Number two, Jesus takes my sins on himself. We spent time on that last week. He stretched out his arms. He said, it is finished. That guilt and that stuff is gone. 700 years before Jesus did that and went to the cross, a guy called Isaiah, who we, I love him. Isaiah 53 says this. He was wounded, for our, wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten and took our punishment, my punishment, that we might have peace And through his wounds, our wounds are healed. All of us have strayed like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own. i followed my own path for many years. And i followed my own path even after becoming saved. Do you know what? You've heard me say it before. You'll hear me say it many times. For the ten years, thank you, Dan, I'm going to be here. But it's like, I have no plan B. If it's not about Jesus, there is no plan B. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You know? so you might say well I didn't feel forgiven back then Jesus took that sin and some days I go I don't feel it and God says you need to get a deeper revelation because if I say you are forgiven if I stretch out my arms and say it is forgiven God tells us to forgive others so we can be forgiven guess what those others are ourselves sometimes the hardest person to forgive is you we need to be able to do that when, when I got that I came alive it was finished he was alive in me. You know, God talked in, in further on in that verse in Isaiah 53, down a bit further, he says, He was he laid his life as a guilt offering for my sin, a sacrifice to bring forgiveness. Jesus wants to forgive our sins. We just need to bring them out in the open. We just need to say, hey, I'm you know, I've stuffed up. So one of the things in our household now is if I've messed up, I want to, I want to put that to bed before I go to bed. Hey, we need to talk about that thing that I said to you that was unkind or that thing that was done. So there's those two things. The third and the la- third thing Jesus does and God does is Jesus feels my grief and he heals my heart. And over these last few years, many years, God has healed my heart. My heart was like a, a holy thing. And I, at some point I'll bring a picture and I'll put it up there that a guy gave us. And it was all these dirty, filthy hearts and Jesus just taking exchange. And he said, that's your heart, Keith. It was a beautiful heart. Give it my mess to him to exchange. See, he feels that grief. He feels that pain. Again, 700 years before that, Isaiah said this. He said he was despised and rejected by others. Jesus, we now know, was a man of sorrows who endured much pain and suffering. He experienced deep grief, deep grief. Jesus knows about your grief. But we ignored him, and we looked the other way. He was hated, and we didn't care. We didn't care. That hits me like, we didn't care. And some days, you know, I realise, Jesus, I'm sorry, I didn't care. Yet, it was our weaknesses that he carried, and it was our sorrows that weighed him down. Not Jesus, he was sinless. He understands, he understands But he doesn't just understand. Jesus just feels it, but he heals it. He feels our grief and he wants to heal our grief. If you're in here today and you're carrying grief, you know? He heals the brokenhearted, it says in Psalm 147. He heals the brokenhearted, verse 3 it is. heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals. The heart is the issue. Brokenhearted, Isaiah. 60, 61 verse 3, and that's part of what calls. To all who mourn, he will give beauty for ashes. Joy instead of mourning. Praise instead of heaviness. That's what he wants to lift off. I believe this morning he wants to lift off some of the heaviness. There's a heaviness sometimes in this valley. I've, had a, I've only been around for what, six weeks in this church, but we've been around the valley for the last 16 years. And over the last little while, it's funny how you have conversations when you arrive somewhere. I've had people come up to me and talk to me in the street and say, I was part of that church 20 odd years ago and I got hurt and I got wounded and I've left and I'm not talking to God. And all I can say is, well, I'm sorry, I wasn't here 20 years ago, but I'd love just to say on behalf, that's not God's intent. People need to be free. We need to see this grief lifted off, this pain. So how do we do that? Three things I'm going to touch on them and then I'd like us to pray. First thing is we need to trust God to forgive our sins. Remember I said the hardest person sometimes is to forgive yourself. It says in Romans 3, all of us have sinned. Every single one in this room. Reinhard Bonnke who's celebrating with Jesus. He sinned. All of us have sinned. Billy Graham sinned. All of us have sinned. Yet God declared us not guilty. This morning he wants you to hear that. You're not guilty. If we trust in Jesus Christ, his mercy takes away our sin. we have got to trust Jesus to take away our sin. I trust, I believe. That's, that's as simple as it gets. Second thing, to release my offenders and focus on the future. We can carry these things and go, oh, yes, I've forgiven. And my question is, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? You say you've forgiven that person from 10 years ago. How, how do you feel when you think about that person? Oh, that person. Sometimes we have to release it and release it from here, not from here. God wants to heal our heart, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Ephesians 4 says this, 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, forgiving each other, just as Jesus Christ has forgiven you. Get rid of it. And then Romans 12 again says, Never avenge yourselves, leave that to God. Today we need to get rid of that. And lastly, just before we pray. It says, the thing I wrote here was, team up with God, team up with Jesus to carry my load. I love I this in the message, Romans eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? I think religion does burn us out, eh? Hey? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. We need to take a real rest, not a break. Not a snapshot, not a vacation. We need to take a real rest with Jesus. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. For the last 20 odd years, that's all I've done. I'm trying to follow the model of Jesus. He only did what his dad told him to do and he only said what he heard his dad saying. And if you come to me and say, Keith, we should be doing these things. I'm okay, you go do them because we need to hear what God's telling us to do. We need to walk like that. Then it says, learn from the unenforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. That load of bricks was pretty heavy and ill-fitting. And that's only three bricks. I've been moving a bunch of them. My friend Don, who's here today with us, he's been helping me move some of them bricks. They're heavy, hey Don? <laughs> I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. Hang out with Jesus. We get to, Remember, we prayed this morning. We get to hang out and mingle with Jesus. So don't just pack up and leave. Hang out with Jesus. Hang out with the people of God. And God says, finally, finally, and we're going to pray. I was just, uh, just wonder if you could come up. We're going to pray and spend some time. Isaiah 43, 2 says this. When you go through the deep waters, you see, we'll always go through deep waters. We're never not going to go through deep waters. But when we go through them, Jesus said, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And for a number of years, I'll go, God, it hurts today. And God said, but I'm with you. Don't worry, Keith, I'm with you. And his arm will come around me and he'll be with me and hang out with me. I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers of difficulty, you won't drown. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. It will not consume you. I just got a little prayer. And I'd say in in late June, we, we want to run a course on Friday and Saturday to talk more about this stuff. I believe that God wants to heal this valley of some of the grief and the pain and the stuff. These are only three things that can damage your soul. There are so many more. But I'd just like to focus on these things this morning. So I don't know if Neil can pop up those slides for me. it would be great. I just got a little prayer. And I never ask people to, to pray stuff without showing them at first. But we're just gonna, I'm just going to pop these up and then we'll come back and we'll pray it. So I want you to read it. If today your only prayer is, Lord, make me willing To be willing, to be willing, to be willing to forgive. If that's your journey, that's okay. I did that. Some days I would not ready to forgive. And people say, how many times do you forgive? The Bible tells us 70 times 7. That's a lot. But I say, until it stops hurting. It's a process. It's like Shrek for the kids. It's like the onion rings. You know, It's like Shrek. Taking them off, bit by bit. So this little prayer is enough. Thank you, Jesus, that I might be forgiven. Now I choose to forgive. You see, it's a choice. Reconciliation isn't a choice, but forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice to let people go, to let circumstances go, to let go of your grief, to let go of your resentments and your stuff that you're carrying against people. And even yourself, you know. I hated myself for years. And I hate myself. I love myself. That sounds very arrogant, but Jesus says he loves me. He says I'm okay. He says I'm a son. It's okay to release people from judgment, those who ever hurt me, and then we'll just give it a moment. You might want to quietly speak that. I'm asking people to come up front. Now we're going to talk about this stuff here. Confessing our sin. Remember, release our sins. God hears them. Might be a minor thing. You might have had a disagreement on the way here. I kind of think of the years we go, rock up a church, walk through the door, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And we just had a big blue in the car park. It's like, Jesus is good. And God's going, what about that thing you just said to your wife? Get real, Keith. Get real. And then lastly, we're going to choose to thank God for forgiveness. How's that sound? We give it a go? Let's, oops, there we go. Oops. We pop them back up. So, I'm trying to flip back. There we go. So, we will count to three and we'll all pray together. I'll just stand and we'll pray. Nobody's looking at anyone. Let's just pray these things through. One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus, for dying that I might be forgiven. I now choose to forgive from my heart and to release from judgment all those who have ever hurt me and offended me. Just take a moment. If there's any, I'm not asking you to force something here. If a name comes to you, then let him go today. If there's a name or a circumstance, let it go. Let's just give it a moment. Okay. Lord, today I, I confess my sins... You of whatever they might be, might have been something you did this morning, might be just something. Just let the Holy Spirit just bring that to my remembrance. Please forgive me for these sins and cleanse them by your blood, Jesus. Father God, I ask for your forgiveness for the things where I've blamed you. Because guess what? We blame God. I've done that, and God knows, but He's sinless. So i Lord, forgive us for those things where we blamed you. This was wrong and I'm sorry. It says there, Lord, thank you for, for dying on the cross for the forgiveness of my sin. Just release me today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And Lord, right now, I just ask that you would lift off these things this morning. God, that you would come and you would separate out these people's souls from those circumstances. Pull back the bits where they got lost, Lord. The bits of them themselves where that was taken in those circumstances. The bits where they, they gave bits of themselves away, Lord. Bring it back to restore their souls. Their souls, Lord. Their mind, their will, their emotions. And lift off all of that grief, Lord. Any anger. Anything to do with, Lord, just resentment. Just lift those things off, I pray in Jesus' name. And God, when you stretch that your son's arms on that cross when jesus said it was finished it was finished and lord right now we just place your cross between them and these circumstances and that's that you would fill every person who's spoken stuff off this morning fill them up lord let them have a new refreshment of your spirit that your holy spirit would impart and touch them i pray this in jesus mighty name let's stand let's worship together and if At the end of this, you've got stuff you want to talk to someone about. Find someone. Find a leader. Find anybody and just say, hey, I want to talk about a thing. Don't leave this place today if God's working on your heart. I encourage you. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.